Hi everybody, Stefan Maloney from Free Domain Radio. I'm going to chat today with Laura Loomer. She is an investigative journalist for the Rebel Media. She began her journalism career working undercover for Project Veritas. From 2015 to 2017, she uncovered corruption within the Hillary Clinton campaign, flaws and loopholes within the U.S. immigration system and widespread voter fraud throughout the U.S. She went last night to a play, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, that was going on in New York City, where night after night, the ritualistic assassination, complete with blood and choking to death on your own innards, stabbings and violence against a clearly delineated Donald Trump character was being performed. And she interrupted it and condemned the political violence inherent in the play and its message and was subsequently arrested. So we're talking with her today. You can check out her website at therebel.media slash Laura Underbar Loomer, L-O-O-M-E-R. You can follow her on twitter.com forward slash Laura Loomer. And please, please check out her legal defense fund, which she will need in the coming days, weeks, and months at freelaura.com. So, Laura, I hear you went to the theater uh, last night, and um, it sort of reminds me of that old joke that, uh, you know, regarding the Lincoln assassination, you know, uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? So you sat through this New York production of Julius Caesar, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, and I wonder if you could help explain to people what you saw, what kind of mood there was, and why it was so upsetting. Yeah, well, um, I I didn't end up sitting through the entire play because um, the scene where they end up stabbing uh, the Donald Trump character, which is Julius Caesar, um, was before the end of the play, of course. But up until that part, uh, basically, there was a glorification of um, Antifa organizations, Black Lives Matters, just protest groups. They were making this is what democracy looks like chants and really just um, celebrating um, leftist uh uh, political resistance groups, uh, kind of like what we saw during the during the campaign. And then um, there was a lot of violent talk with uh, props, um, knife props, in which they were talking about how they wanted to stab Julius Caesar and cut his limbs off. Of course, uh, basically saying they want to stab Donald Trump. And then the part when I jumped up on stage is when um, they did stab Julius Caesar, which is a Donald Trump um, impersonator, essentially. And this is not a subtle characterization. I mean, this is a guy in a business suit and his wife speaks with an Eastern European accent and they've really made it about as clear as they can possibly make it who the Julius Caesar character is supposed to be, right? Yeah, and then in the beginning of the play too, this is how you know that it's about Donald Trump. They said, oh, we only changed one line in the entire production and you'll know what that line is. And they didn't tell you, but you had to wait for it. And the line was oh, um, Julius Caesar could stab somebody on Fifth Avenue and nobody would care. Hmm. And of course, that's a reference to um, the comment that was made during the campaign in which someone said Donald Trump could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and people would still vote for him. So they're clearly talking about Donald Trump. They're clearly trying to align this play and align the character of Julius Caesar with Donald Trump. And so by doing that, when you when you have characters who are stabbing that character, you're projecting violence onto... Um, a character that's supposed to represent the president of the United States. Some Shakespearean murders, they occur offstage. You know, I'm thinking of the, 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 the death of King Duncan in Macbeth and so on. They're offstage murders. This one is like visceral. It's, it's up front. It's very bloody. Uh, it is really kind of assassination orgy porn or something that's sort of from what I've seen. Now, you were there up close. I mean, how graphic is this thing supposed to be? 
It's extremely graphic. Um, not even just terms of blood, but there's a scene where the Donald Trump character is fully naked too, and you you saw his penis and everything. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. Not that I really care about nudity, but um, they definitely don't go to um, go through any effort to warn the audience about um, the graphic nature of the play. Uh, it looks like real blood, and it looks like a gang stabbing. They have all of these characters, which is it was very strange. Everybody who was stabbing Donald Trump was a black man. So I don't know what kind of message they were trying to send, whether um, like it was a minority resistance against Donald Trump, but all of the characters who were participating in the stabbing of um, the Donald Trump character were African-American males. So you just blood gushing out everywhere, and it's a guy like struggling to get up, and they, they throw him over the desk, and they're beating him. And it's disgusting, because all you can think about is, oh my God, they're they're trying to make you think about Donald Trump, and I was just picturing Donald Trump possibly being assassinated by somebody and tackled to the ground and just butchered with a knife. It was just, it, honestly, it made my stomach turn. They've got uh, left versus right. They've got rich versus poor. And I guess they're pouring incendiary elements of racial warfare in there as well. It's, it's hard to think of a single line of decency uh, and, and artistry that they haven't uh, crossed or, or downright violated. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just a bastardization of um, of Shakespeare, and there's nothing artistic about it, in my opinion. I I think that really they're they're making a stretch between artistic expression and a um, flirtation with a planned assassination attempt against the president. And it's funny because, of course, the left claims free speech and artistic expression, and so on. I was just thinking about whether they, whether these fine, brave actors and directors would be comfortable doing this, say, in Turkey with the Erdogan or, or in Saudi Arabia with the royal uh, family or, or in other places where this delightful freedom of expression would land them in some serious trouble. Well, and I couldn't help but think to myself, wow, like they're wielding knives and they're trying to stab a leader. Um, you know, the democracy, what does this, what does this remind me of? Oh yeah, ISIS. ISIS uses knives to kill people over political differences, over ideological differences. And what did you have on stage right behind the set when you first walk in? They had a picture of a woman wearing the American flag hijab, that same poster that was the symbol of the women's march when Linda Sarsour was the keynote speaker. So they're not even trying to hide the fact that they're aligning themselves with Islam. And you see this, it's really troubling today because the left and Islam, there's almost no, um, you can't really distinguish them anymore. They're, they've morphed together and they're one and they're using the same violent tactics um, and they're, they're just, they're sharing tactics. You see, you see ISIS, they cover their faces. They use political violence to kill people who disagree with them. Antifa, what do they do? They cover their faces, they dress in black, and they threaten to kill people who disagree with them. Um, so it, it's really alarming. You just see a lot of virtue, like virtue signaling, but it's violent virtue signaling, I would say. Um, and, you know, Shakespeare once said that violent delights have violent ends. So if you are going to come to Shakespeare in the Park and you're going to delight in this theater or artistic expression or a Shakespeare play, right? Um, you're, you're delighting in Julius Caesar, which they have made into a violent, um, it's, it's a violent play that portrays the assassination of Donald Trump. So if you're delighting in that, it's going to have a violent end. And I couldn't help but think to myself, wow, um, this happened or this has been happening like in the week before this this guy in Virginia decided to go shoot up 
So he, there may not be evidence right now that suggests that he saw Julius Caesar, but I bet you that people are being desensitized by the violence um, in this play by Kathy Griffin, by members of the mainstream left media who refuse to condemn violence. And they're starting to get ideas and they're starting to think that it's okay to kill or threaten the lives of Republican representatives and our president because it's a joke. And there's nothing funny about it. Even I'm, I'm a hardcore Republican, but I would never laugh at or um, participate in anything that portrayed the assassination of President Obama or any elected um, Democratic representative. We could imagine if the play was set in Harlem and a bunch of white guys were killing or stringing up Obama or, or if there was a bunch of white males who were killing Hillary Clinton ritualistically in, in this blood sacrifice night after night, the left would go mental, claiming that this was an instigation to violence. Yeah, or if you did something like the Salem witch trials and you had Hillary Clinton at the stake, like people would freak out if you had a character that was just like Hillary Clinton. It's just, it's very similar. People, if you flip it on the left, they wouldn't be tolerant of it either and they would freak out. But um, ever since Donald Trump has become president, um, there's been a normalization of political violence. And I think I saw you share this on Twitter the other day, but um, in case people listening don't know, there have been over 12,000 um, direct um, threats, like assassination threats, um, on Donald Trump's life made on Twitter since he's been elected. I haven't heard 12,000 separate news stories every single day from the Secret Service or the mainstream media talking about how somebody threatened the life of Trump. So I, I would ask you, I mean, don't you think that's extremely alarming that um, people in the masses are um, expressing their desire to kill our president on social media without fear of consequence? It is. And it, again, bespeaks to two different rules. I mean, you end up getting arrested. And how many times uh, have the people who've made direct death threats, not just against President Trump, but against other conservatives, uh, how many times have they been pursued by the police? How many times have they been arrested? How many times are they going to face legal consequences? It's this giant split in society, but there's one rule for people who aren't on the left and almost no rules for people who are on the left. And that, to me, is a very troubling development. Because it's giving carte blanche, it's giving a license to, to political violence to a certain group of people who seem particularly inclined that way. Yeah, it's literally a license to kill. And I completely agree with you. And what's more troubling to me is if you watch the video, I know that people are mostly watching Jack's video. I periscope too, but um, the other version I wasn't posted until I was released from jail because my phone was taken when I was um, detained. So the version I have, um, you see people booing when I'm telling them to condemn violence. So here you have it in New York, liberals are more concerned and upset with their play, their uppity play getting interrupted than they are about a possible assassination attempt on Donald Trump. I mean, where are people's priorities? This is the part that I find just so astonishing. And, and I'm sort of I try to think I'm somewhat inured to the hypocrisy of the left, but, but here it goes to me way uh, even further than I imagined. Because, you know, my whole life growing up, you know, patriarchy is violence, cultural appropriation is violence, there are microaggressions. Uh, if a woman regrets sex, that can be problematic. Uh, the, you know, if a man spreads his legs on the subway, that's a micro. Like this, this genuine concern, or I think hysterical concern sometimes with these microaggressions. But then at the same time, when leftists shut down non-leftist speakers with threats of violence, when there are inaugural balls that are threatened with terrorist attacks, when, when there is uh, rock throwing, when there is trashing uh, of entire neighborhoods, rather than 
recognizing that as a much more potent manifestation, a macroaggression relative to the microaggression, all the left who's so concerned with all these microaggressions almost seems to cheer this stuff a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, they are cheering it. They were cheering. You could you could see in the play when people were, um, you know, making nasty comments about Trump or when they were wielding their knives, people were cheering. And, you know, it had to be discreet, of course. I wish I, I, wish I could have live-streamed that entire play so that people could have seen just for themselves how disgusting and vile it really is. But, um, you know, they were looking at people filming, and I needed to make sure that I could actually... Um, you know, capture what I needed to capture on camera as well. So, um, but the scene in which I did storm the stage is the scene where the character who is supposed to be Donald Trump is laying on the ground and he's gasping for air um, after having been stabbed numerous times. Right. Now, when it comes to your thought processes leading up to this, because this has, as, as you I'm sure are fully aware this has created quite a schism within, I want to say the conservative movement, but the, the movement that is concerned about fighting back against escalating leftist rhetoric and direct violence. And there are those who say, well, we don't want to descend to their level or don't want to use their tactics. And other people are like, well, let's do what wins. You know, they have uh, used these tactics and, you know, what uh, you have done is nothing even close to the level of violence that has been done to the left. You didn't do anything violent at all. And so what was your thought process leading up to this? Uh, I mean, you knew it was going to be controversial. You knew it would potentially result in some legal trouble. But there is an understanding that you have about the backdrop for these issues and what needs to be done that I'd really like the listeners to, to this show to understand. We're in a culture war, okay? So, you know, you have division within the conservative movement, but most of the people who are criticizing me, like David French and Ben Shapiro, they have not admitted that we are in a culture war right now. And in order to, to win the culture war, you have to develop new tactics to fight back. I'm not talking about violent tactics. I'm talking about playing by the rule book that your enemy or your opposition plays by. Alinsky tactics, right? So I would, I would say that when I was, uh, when I was engaging in this, um, this act, if that's what you want to call it, um, I was thinking about rule number four. Um, Saul Alinsky's rule number four, which is um, make the enemy play by their own rules. Right. And, and certainly leftist disruptions have been occurring regularly. I mean, I looked up a few in, in, in preparation for talking with you. And of course, Black Lives Matter have uh, interrupted uh, a symphony. There have been, of course, endless uh, blockades of, of roads. There have been blockades of streets. And there have been, of course, direct interruptions, you know, pulling the fire alarms, uh, things much more intrusive than what you did. The play could continue after what you did. But uh, with a lot of the ways that they interrupt, the sprinkler systems and so on, the way that they interrupt conservative speakers means that the entire speech gets canceled and then it becomes much harder to get new speakers on. So what you have done is mild to the, very, very mild relative to what the left has cheered and justified over the past couple of years. Exactly. And so when people are, people are criticizing me, like Ben Shapiro, for example, was saying that, um, oh, now the alt-right has their own social justice warrior snowflakes. Oh, um, this isn't um, any different from when um, Black Lives Matter tries to shut down events. And yeah, actually it is because I wasn't violent. The, the people on the right, they use, they express themselves through free speech, right? And the people on the left, they express, them, they express themselves with violence. And if you, if you take on part of their act, right, so crashing events and giving them a taste of their own medicine and what they do to us without the violence, there's nothing wrong with that. 
you know, it can, you can um, adapt the tactics um, so that they're nonviolent. And I'm by, by no means encouraging people to, um, you know, fight back physically or um, use violence leftist tactics, but um, just throw, throw their technique back in their face. Use their identity politics against them. Right. You know, I mean, there's, a, there's, an old, yeah, there's an old saying, which, which is that the left interprets free speech as violence if it's coming from conservatives, but it interprets violence as free speech if it's coming from the left. Yeah, exactly. And you saw that last night, if you watched the video, I, all I said was, um, this is a normalization of political violence against the right. Shame on you. We need to condemn violence against Donald Trump. You're inciting violence against Donald Trump. That is 100% true. Uh, nothing I said was um, anything that could be argued. If you look at Julius Caesar, it is violent. Bank of America pulled out. Delta pulled out. And in their statements, they said it was because of the political violence, because it was so disgusting and it portrayed an assassination of Donald Trump. And then these people, they didn't want to listen. They just booed me off the stage because they would much rather engage in their assassination porn than um, condemn political violence. It's just not a part of their narrative. They get off. They honestly get off on watching um, a Donald Trump-like character uh, drown in his own puddle of blood on the floor and, you know, choke with uh, knives in his chest. And it's, it's disgusting. They, they enjoy it. Of course, when, when leftist protesters are arrested, uh, the left is, uh, oh, censorship and no free speech. But of course, they're cheering when peaceful protesters who aren't on the left are uh, interrupting their, you know, blood-soaked, as you say, assassination porn fantasy jurorcraft session. And this kind of hypocrisy, I think, really needs to be floated up to the mainstream uh, in America, who I don't think are really aware of what's going on in, I guess, what are laughably called the cultural centers of America. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, a lot of people don't know what's going on. A lot of people don't watch the news, so they're not aware of what's happening or how controversial this play really is. But at a theater near you, I can guarantee you that some lefty organization is, um, you know, glorifying um, the assassination of Donald Trump or violence against Donald Trump. You don't have to look very far to find um, some type of uh, resistance movement in your town that is um, refusing to condemn violence against, um, against the right. By resistance, they're not talking about we're going to write more succinct and, and well-argued and reasoned essays. I mean, by, by resist, they're usually talking about some sort of escalation, uh, even to the level of uh, physical force or, you know, aggressive disruptions. My disruption, if, if you would want to call it that, it was not aggressive at all. I did not resist. When I was asked to leave, I left. Um, and I ended up being arrested for what? For trying to stand up for the president? For, for explaining to people that I don't want to wake up one day and find out that Donald Trump has been assassinated by some liberal who was indoctrinated by um, assassination porn? Like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want this country to have a civil war. And that's exactly where we're headed right now. We are headed towards a civil war. Uh, the race war is pretty, um, you know, under Obama's administration, we, some would already say that we had a race war under Obama, but um, tensions are really high right now and people are not um, doing enough to condemn this violence. Um, the guy who shot the um, House Majority Whip in Virginia, he was a fan of MSNBC, a fan of Rachel Maddow. 
Um, if you go on Rachel Maddow's Twitter, guess who she follows? She follows the New York City Public Theater. So she is obviously a fan or a supporter of uh, the New York City Public Theater and the work that they produce. Um, where has where has Rachel Maddow ever spoken out against Julius Caesar? So if this shooter is watching Rachel Maddow, for example, and she's refusing to condemn something that she um, is delighting in, going back to what Shakespeare said about violent delights have violent ends, well, the violent end is going to be her viewer slaughtering people or attempting to assassinate Republican officials. Yeah, no, and I saw her downplay uh, that that connection. I mean, the, Donald Trump has to disavow David Duke, who he barely knows, like dozens of times. But when there's a direct connection between the, the shooter and, and heavily escalating, propagandizing leftist rhetoric, uh, somehow, well, he's you know, a random, random act of violence. I think the left knows better. They know that if they continue to pour this hatred, this violence into the air, you know, there are crazy antennae out there that are going to pick it up and act it out. And I would also say right after somebody who was, as you say, Twitter twice removed from the theater company putting on this play goes out and shoots up a bunch of Republicans that continuing this ritualistic slaughter of Donald Trump in a publicly funded theater might not be the most sensitive way to approach the recent shootings and their aftermath. Yeah, and I honestly don't appreciate like my tax dollars and other people's tax dollars going to this um display either. You can get a tax deductible. Um, your donation is tax deductible if you make a large contribution to the theater. And that's what they're doing. Um, they're using um, tax deductible donations to um, to fund um, assassination attempts or, you know, glorified assassination attempts against President Trump. There is something seriously wrong with that. And if people aren't willing to condemn that and admit that there's a serious problem with that, then uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, CNN reached out to me today and they asked to interview me and I said, absolutely not. When CNN decides to um, revoke their funding from Julius Caesar with their parent company, Time Warner, then maybe I'll give you an interview. But I don't elevate fake news. I create the news, you know, so I um, right. I have no business um, doing inter any interviews or talking with any members of the press who refuse to condemn political violence against the right. And this ship has, to me, sailed for the mainstream media, who has not stood up strongly to condemn the escalating leftist violence over the past couple of years. I mean, I, I had to speak in Detroit under threat of a bomb threat from, from crazy uh, extremists. And it is, it is a big challenge. And, and as you point out, publicly funded. It's the public theater. I mean, there is, of course, corporate donations, but those are, are tax deductible. But we're talking tens of millions of dollars. I think if I read rightly, uh, it was uh, $30 million dollars since 2008 uh, of money, government money has been sunk into uh, either this theater company directly or in the facilities that they use. It is a huge amount of money. And then we have an outright commie director uh, directing for the overturning uh, or, or, or showing repeatedly night after night the violent overthrowing of a democratically elected representative of... Uh, the American people, it is truly astonishing to be forced to fund the propaganda that aims to undo the society that you love. It's, it's one of these weird postmodern things that's happened in the, in the modern world. Uh, yeah, it is. And um, people just really need to be aware of who's funding it, too. Um, it's the left mainstream media. The New York Times is funding it. They have refused to condemn the violence. Um, CNN, it's Time Warner. They're they're uh, the parent company, Time Warner Cable, and CNN are funding are are, are funding this play. And when I asked the CNN um, reporter to make a comment to me, I said, 
um, why why hasn't CNN or Time Warner decided to um, uh, revoke their funding of this play? Do you guys um, support political violence and the assassination of Trump? He ignored my message. He wouldn't respond to me. So, you know, um, we really need to hold the media accountable. Tomorrow is the last showing of Julius Caesar. But, um, you know, there's still outrage and there's still blood on the cast of Julius Caesar's um, on the hands of the Julius Caesar cast. In my, in my opinion, they are responsible. Kathy Griffin is responsible. CNN is responsible. The New York Times is responsible. Everybody who sponsored this play and has protected these people in the media is responsible, and they have the blood of Steve Scalise on their hands. So let's give you the final word in this internal battle of the non-leftists or the conservatives on tactics going forward. I mean, I, I, I'm older than you, and, and for decades, you know, we, we've seen government grow, we've seen academia be co-opted by the left. We've even seen the Democratic Party being co-opted by more extreme leftists. You know, the argument that the Democrats died in the 60s and have been replaced by increasingly uh, lefty lunatics uh, ever since. Uh, academia, Hollywood, TV, books, publishing. I mean, it's all been lost lost to the left. And there are people who still want to continue the same tactics that have resulted in these catastrophic losses. And uh, turning this around becomes harder and harder every single year. And if you have a different approach or a different way to try and turn this thing around, I really want to give you a good platform, as big a platform as I can, to make that case for conservatives who are on the fence about moving forward. Um, you, you just have to take action. Um, it's really great to, to tweet things out and to write things, but you have to make sacrifices. And yesterday I made a sacrifice. I was up on stage for what, 45 seconds. And, you know, it had a huge impact. It really caused, it forced the, the mainstream media to, um, talk about political violence. I, I haven't seen them talk about, um, left wing political violence in a really long time. And, um, I would say that if you really want change and you, um, really want to take on the left, um, you know, adopt their tactics, like I said, play by their rule book. Don't, don't be violent, of course, but, um, but, but flip the rules on them because that's, that's how you're going to win this culture war is by throwing it back in their face. Well said, well said. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I look forward to seeing how uh, this plays out and, and thanks so much for taking the time to chat today, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I would just like to say, um, I, I came, I saw, and I conquered, and um, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep on going. <laughs>